most special class this week. Okay, good evening, everybody, and welcome. Tonight we are continuing Chapter 4, and we are currently going to begin the third category where one needs to have bitachin, trust in Hashem. We've learned how one should have bitachin in areas of one's basic necessities, relying that Hashem will provide um, Hashem will give Hashem will give us what we need in the appropriate time. We learned about the second category, which is additional income, where you should just work as you would normally, and Hashem will provide for you the additional income that you're supposed to have with the minimal work you do. So you don't need to spend extra time trying to make more money. If you're supposed to get it, Hashem will give you in the normal hours of work that you do. You know, a practical example of this would be working on Shabbos. Um, you know, there was a time where it was very uncommon back in America. We're talking in the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, um, where it was um, unfortunately unheard of for a Jew not to work on Shabbos. And it took the real bitachet, real, real intense bitachet to trust. What we're learning here, that you can work five days a week and Hashem will give you, the sixth day is not going to add anything, or the seventh day for that matter, um, more than you're supposed to get within those five days. But tonight, we're going to learn how to have bitachin regarding your family, friends, and unfortunately, the opposite of friends as well. People that not only are not your friends, but in the words we're going to learn tonight, they're your enemies. So let's jump in. The third category, proper attitude and social interaction. Avo. However, the explanation regarding the proper bitachin one should have regarding the third category, the heim in yinei ishtai uvana uvanei veisai ukeroivav oihavav oivav umiyudav umakira. We're now going to talk about those matters that pertain to one's wife children, members of one's household, family members, friends, enemies, the people he holds, who he holds in high esteem, and his acquaintances. Eight different categories of people we've mentioned. What type of bitach uh, and trust do we need to have in regards to these relationships? And now we're going to mention two more categories. We'll have a total of ten. As well as his superiors and subordinates from different classes of people. So there's 10 categories of people that we, inter we interact with. The proper way to rely on the Almighty regarding them is as I will relate. So 
we have these 10 categories of people. And within the 10 categories, we're going to break it down. We're going to begin talking about someone's family and friends. The who, she'ein adam nimlot me'echad mishnei devar, she'yihi enachri, oi she'yihi ebesech mishpachtoi ukreva. A person cannot escape from one of the following two scenarios. Number one, either he will be estranged, living alone, or number two, he will live amongst his family and close ones. So either you live amongst friends and family, or you don't live amongst friends and family. And we're gonna start off tonight learning what should someone do who is living alone in this world. And unfortunately, some people just are living alone. They don't have friends. They don't have family. They are in, in the English as they translated here, they're estranged. They're living on their own. So where do they find comfort? But maybe it's a personality thing. Maybe they just don't like people. Well, they're introverted. No, so in other words, are you asking or answering? No, I'm just saying there could be an explanation for that. Oh, so you're saying maybe people that are living alone and have no family and friends, maybe that's what they chose to do. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay, yeah. but here we're, we're starting off with the, with the, we're starting off saying that we're not talking about our work day and age where everybody, wherever you live, you're interconnected. We're saying that they were forced to live somewhere without family and friends. Or even more, they physically have no family. There is no living person on earth anymore related to them. So how should they, what's, what's keeping them going? The imi hi enochri, yetziv soi beloikon deesi shpeme musoi, so like it says in the title here, trust in God when alone. If he is estranged, living alone, then he should connect with the Almighty at the time of his loneliness, and he should rely on God in a state of estrangement. So actually, Mark, just to go back to your point, we're talking about somebody who didn't choose this lifestyle. We're talking about somebody who wants to be around friends. He'd love to be around his family and he, it's just not his current situation. Got it, I understand. So when he's lonely, he should know that Hashem is with him. Hashem is with him. What does this mean? Chapter 23 of Psalms. I have to tell you a story. I must have shared it before, but it's just an, a sad story. I went to, um, there was once a woman who converted to Christianity. And she later related the reason she did so was because she was just so enthralled with the prayers they had. And one of the prayers she loved was Psalm 23 of Gam Kielis, of, of 
true story, unfortunately. So Hashem says, David tells us wherever we are, Hashem is always with us. And no one is really alone with no support. Hashem is with him. So if someone is alone in this world, he should remember that Hashem is really with him. And now we're going to give three meditations a person can have if they're living alone. Meditation number one. The Yale Alivoi Geiros HaNefesh Boilem Hazet. In order to comfort himself, he should think about the fact that the soul too is estranged in this world. Meditation number one is thinking about the fact that your soul was up on high, right under God's throne. It was, it was with all its friends. And now it's in exile, away from all its friends in this world. So this person that's alone, he should know he's alone, but his soul is also alone. Reflect on that. That's point A. How will this help him? This will inspire him if he's sad because he's alone. Well, his neshama, his soul, is also sad. I'm in the middle of the class. I can't help it. His soul is also sad. Meditation number two. Everybody dwelling in this world is a foreigner in the world. Really, we live in heaven, and everybody here is a foreigner. So everybody is a foreigner. We're all in this together. By the way, I'm sorry, that's one meditation. The next two we'll see. So the first meditation is that the soul is a stranger. Everybody is a stranger. Everybody is a stranger in this world. That's meditation number one. Meditation number two. The Yashay Belibai. He called me Sheyeshli Kiroivim by Adzman Muat Yashu Nakri Baide. Veloya Ilehu Kadoi Velebein. Moreover, he should comfort himself in the following manner. He should think to himself that even all those people who have close ones in this world will in a short amount of time revert to being a stranger and alone, and neither his close one or child will be able to help him then, nor will he be able to connect with them. So a second thought is how friends and family, they're not going to help you when it comes to the world to come. When it comes to the world to come, the fact that you have that that your friends has friends is not going to help him. It's all about how you act in this world. So again, the first meditation is to think about how the neshama is estranged from his friends coming into this world. The second meditation is how friends and family are not going to help you get into the world to come. And the third meditation is, 
after this, he should think about the fact that due to him living alone, the stalkos koyved masam the koyvaisam b'tzarchei The weight of those people's loads, responsibility, the needs has been removed from him. So, the person who doesn't have the responsibility of a family and friends should see the positive, which is that he doesn't have the responsibility that comes with it. The He should consider this to be one of the kindnesses of the Creator to him. For if he is a person who pursues worldly matters and its needs, so someone wants to be the very, very rich, his work will be much less of a strain on him if he does not have a wife and children. His wife and children actually are going to hold him back from being able to stay at work the whole day. It emerges that the fact that he does not have a wife and children is the cause for his rest and for his own good. Someone that believes that the physical uh, being successful in this world is the most important thing. So then the fact that he doesn't have a wife and children and friends is actually going to give him rest. He'll be able to sleep at night. He won't have to wake up for a crying baby. Now, what happens if he's a spiritual person? If he is a person who seeks the matters of the world to come spiritual matters, then his mind will, without a doubt, be more empty and free to pursue these matters when he is alone than if he would have a family to occupy himself with. Schneer? Yes. Your question. Please. Isn't, isn't, how do you reconcile this with the, the mitzvah for men to have children? Ah, so my Mendel, the truth is I was going to talk about this at the beginning and I figured let's jump in, kind of, I want people to struggle with the question and then we'll talk about the answer. You know, a good, a good answer is only good if there's a question. So thank you for, for raising the question. Let's review what we learned and, and ask the question, my Mendel's question. We've learned that someone that doesn't have family and friends, he should know his best friend is Hashem. And Hashem is with him. And he should think about how his neshama is also away from all of his friends. He should think about how family and friends don't get you further in, a, in uh, connecting with Hashem in the, and being able to merit the world to come. And third of all, he should see the bright side, which is now he has more time. Whether it's to be successful in this world, if that's his aspiration, or whether it's to be more spiritual if that's his aspiration. So Mendel is asking the obvious question. The obvious question is, the Torah tells you to get married. The Torah tells you to have friends and family. How do we understand this with what, we, what we've learned here? Okay, so I'd love someone to uh, give a stab at it, as they say. Tell me what, the answer, what they think the answer is. Make sure I, I feel like I can rely on you. Okay, so if the person is going to, if the person is either going to choose to be alone or just finds that they are alone, 
they should realize that they're really not alone, that they're that, that they really have that the glass is not half empty, the glass is half full, and they should recognize the opportunities that that situation presents to itself. Oh, exactly, exactly. And let me just add to that. Last week we learned what someone who has no food on the table should think. We learned what someone who doesn't have the job they want should think. We learned what someone who is getting his money from a source that he's not pleased with. Of course, it's an, it's illegal, it's an, it's an appropriate source, but it's not what he wanted, what they should think. And we discussed that we're not, Chayvet Halavavah is not telling me what to tell other people. He's telling me what to tell myself. In other words, when we learn how someone without money, what they should think, it's not telling me I should go to all the poor people and say, you don't have money. So what's the big deal? Don't complain. Some promises is going to give you what you need. So you'll get it. Stop complaining. Or someone that doesn't have friends and family. Come on, don't be selfish. Hashem's going to take, the fact that you're a friend and family, you're so lucky. You could sleep at night without a crying baby. That's not at all what Rabbeinu Bachaya is telling us. Rabbeinu Bachaya is telling us, I do want to welcome my kids. If you, if, you listen, if you listen carefully, you're all welcome to listen, okay? So, Avram, you could come. If everybody's quiet, you can listen to this year. Rabbeinu Bachaya is telling us what someone in this situation should think. So Maisha Mendel, the Torah tells us we need to try and have friends and family. The Torah tells us that yes, the first mitzvah is to have children. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is telling you what someone who has tried but has not been successful, what they should think. What bitachain for them looks like. Does, does that help Maisha Mendel? Uh, yeah, I think so. I have to mull it over, but I, get, I think I get it. I'm not so sure this will be very comforting to me. If, at least for fun. Ah, so, so Dr. Malab is pointing out, you're saying this is not so helpful. Well, I, if I were in that, if that, if I were in that position, I'm not sure I would feel comforted by it. Yeah, I understand that. So... She's supposed to be comforted by being. So, Dr. Mallow, you're, you're, you're asking, you're bringing up a good point. Let, let's, okay, let's dig in for a minute. What do you mean you wouldn't be comforted? What does that mean to you? Well, you're still physically lonely in this world. Um, Physically alone, I should say. Well, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's saying, well, you should think that, you know, you have more time to do your work, and you have more time to, to uh, reflect on spiritual matters, because um, uh, you don't have a family to deal with. Um, I mean, that may all be true, but, I, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would. Uh, Maybe it would maybe it would require more bit of home than I have to, to 
to comfort me, I guess. I'll give a shot at it. Uh, you know, simply that, I mean, I gave the earlier analogy about glass half full, half empty. But on the other hand, you know, what if you're a person who is alone and doesn't want to be alone and wants to stop being alone and, 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 uh, and get out of the situation that, that they're in? This doesn't, this doesn't tell them how to do that. It doesn't give them any guidance, any counsel, any comfort in that regard. It just says, you know, you should, uh, you know, take comfort in the situation that you're in. It doesn't tell you how to get out. And when it says, you know, who seeks matters in the, you know, uh, if he is a person who seeks the matters of the world to come, well, what if somebody isn't interested in seeking matters in the world to come, but is interested in the here and now, yeah. you know, and, and this doesn't give an answer in that regard. Yeah, yeah sure. I want to read. It's not yet. I mean, does that cover it? Michael, what do you think of what I said? Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty close to what I'm thinking. I, I want to read a note in, in, a, in, a, in an edition of Play Vital that's going to talk about exactly what you just heard. Let me quote. In setting out the appropriate practice of Bitaklein for the lonely person, Chlevois Halavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavav
recognize, even if it's the most horrible situation ever, a situation that you don't wanna be in, that you can't wait to get yourself out of. Nonetheless, that situation is in its own unique way, an opportunity. At that moment, it's, you're it's there. It's always well an said. opportunity, and and it's a and well it's said. a mental filter of how to look at the situation as the, as an opportunity. The fact that you're in that place at that time and moment is intentional, and and use it as an opportunity. Yes, yes, well said, Yeshua, Dr. Malas, and and Mishimendo, does that perhaps put a little more perspective on the conversation? Yeah. I understand what he's saying, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, let's jump back in. By the way, Mark, we haven't heard from you. I, I know it's busy there, but if you have any insights, we'd love to hear. Okay, moving right along. We're now going to learn about Purushim. Purushim were people like it says, who would run away from their relatives and their house to the mountains. So Parishan were people that uh, one day their wife would wake up looking for them and they would be in the mountains. They would separate themselves. Um, and live a life of solitude. And this is the reason for it. Valkane and therefore... This is why the ascetics would run away from their relatives and from their houses to the mountains. Why? So that they could free their minds to focus on the service of the Almighty. And similarly, the prophets at the time of prophecy would leave their places of residence and would seclude themselves and free their minds to think about fulfilling the obligations which their creator imposes upon them. So this idea of living in solitude in order to allow you to better serve Hashem is something that people would choose to do. And how do we know <coughs> that prophets would need to do this? By the way, we read this recently. We read recently in the Torah, that when Moshe became the prophet of all prophets, he needed to separate from his wife. And actually, it caused an issue with Moshe and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron, there was a, the, and the Torah says they were, so to say, speaking Lashon Hara. But when someone is having prophecy, they need to separate from this world on some level. And we're going to share an example from Eliyahu Elijah the prophet when he was appointing his next in line. Who is next in line in prophecy after Elijah the prophet? Who's the next prophet? Elisha, Elijah. Not Elijah, sorry. How do you say Elisha in, in English? Anybody? Elisha. Elisha, so Elijah and Elisha. Okay. So we're going to quote a story. As you know from the story of Eliyahu and Elisha, when Eliyahu was going to tell Elisha, you're going to be the next prophet of the Jewish people after me. Shinem, our love, Hashem told Eliyahu Hanavi, Shinem, Asr, Tzumadim, Lefanav, Ahubi, Shinem, Asr, Hashem told him, you'll find Elisha, there's going to be 12 
animals with yokes before him, and he's going to be in the 12th line. Okay, so Elisha goes, Elio goes to find Elisha, and listen to what happens. Once Elio hinted, with a subtle hint, to Elisha that he's going to be a prophet, Elisha understood it, and you know what Elisha responds? He says, let me please kiss my father and my mother and I'll go after you. In other words, I need an, I need an out. Wow, I'm going to be next prophet. Okay, I know I need to say, good, I need to say Zaytism to my parents and go to seclusion. And that's what it says in the following verse. And he followed Elijah and ministered to him. V'nemar. And similarly, it is said about one of the kings that he would mingle among his servants and could not be identified among them because he conducted himself humbly in regard to clothes and ornaments he wore. So this third meditation we shared that someone, should, someone who doesn't have friends and family should think about how there is this benefit of being able to focus more on Hashem. We're sharing that there were people who would intentionally do this, whether it was the prophets or the Kurushim. And now we're going to learn a crazy story. The Purushim were not necessarily prophets or vice versa, right? Correct, correct. Two separate, there's the Purushim, who's the aesthetic. Am I saying the, the word correctly? I think it's aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Yes. Aesthetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no in there. Aesthetic. Okay, so, so you have the aesthetics and you have the prophets, two separate types of people, but they both would live in, they both would separate when they wanted to have that spiritual moment. May I ask a dumb question? So okay. you can, but Dr. Malov was first. Oh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to know whether the word Purushim has anything to do with Purush, uh, 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 meaning explanation, Purush? Purush, it comes from the word Parush. So Parush means separated. Oh. Um, so I'm not, I don't, not, I don't know of any familiarity with, between parosh, expl explanation, and parosh separated. Okay, okay, it's a different word. Yes, 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 Yeshua. Were all the prophets parushim? So the answer is no, and let me clarify what that means. A parosh in, in, in this, uh, the way we define it, someone living in the mountains on their own, um, no, the prophets were not like that. But what we are seeing is at the time of the prophecy or when they were living uh, through a moment of prophecy, they needed to separate um, from the world, so to say, at that time. Some prophets would literally fall on the floor in, and kind of have a, have a, what do you call it when some, what do you seizure? call when someone, a seizure, yes, thank you. They would kind of have a seizure at that moment. Um, yeah. Mm. Oh, Shemtov did that. The Shemtov, yes, went to live in the field. Correct. Correct. Well, let's regroup about this in a minute after we learn this crazy story. 
But it's one of those stories I'm only going to share if you don't try and copy it, okay? Okay, that's what I would tell a kid. Like, don't try this at home. Okay, here we go. Here's the story. <laughs> Moshe, good to hear you. So the story is told of an ascetic, of an ascetic who went to a certain country to teach its inhabitants about the correct way of the service of the Almighty. So this guy goes, he says, I'm going to teach you about Judaism, about mm-hmm. serving Hashem. But before he gets a chance to give them a lecture, he sees that it's a queer and interesting place. What's interesting? He found that everybody was wearing the same colored clothing and ornaments. Okay, that's number one. Number two. And he saw that their grave sites were next to the doors of their home. So as you would walk through somebody's home, you would see all of the people, all the uh, people who had passed away would be buried right there. And third of all, and did not see any woman among them. So everybody's wearing the same clothing. He, he finds her, everybody's wearing the same clothing. The people, as you go up the steps to the door, you see everybody who's, who passed away. And third of all, there's no, it's only men. So he asked them about this. And they responded by saying the following. And now they're going to answer each one of these three customs. The reason why we all wear the same colored clothing is so that one should not be able to distinguish between the poor person and the rich person. The reason why we all wear the same colored clothing is so that one should not be able to distinguish between the poor person and the rich person. Why? So that the rich person will not end up being arrogant and boastful about his wealth. And so that the poor person will not despise himself and think of his life on this earth, earth, sorry, and so that the poor person will not despise himself. So we don't want that the rich person should become all haughty in his fancy Tesla clothing. And we don't want the poor person, you know, feeling all embarrassed in his Nebuch clothing. And finally, another point, and think of his life on this earth in the same manner as when he will be underneath it after his passing, which is after someone passes away, everybody's buried the same. It's interesting. Um, you know, Rabbi, this is exactly why some schools have their students wear uniforms. Exactly. I was just going to comment. In other words, exactly the same reason why you should wear uniforms. We don't want one person to be more <coughs> comfortable because they have more money. And this is also the same reason that on Tubov, when the girls would go around dancing in order to find a, a husband or, or the husband to find a wife, they would actually switch clothing, right? Everybody would share clothing because we didn't want someone to be judged or to feel 
they're different because of their financial status. Yes. Okay, let's go now and see why would they bury the people right near their house. Umasha samnu kivrois meisenu etel pisochenu. Now, why do we place our grave sites next to the doors of our houses? It is an order that we should take rebuke from it by being ready for death. And to prepare for ourselves the provisions which will bring us to the place of rest. So why are people buried right near our house? It's because we want to remember the day of death, like it says in Ethics of Our Fathers. Everybody should think that it may be his last day on, on earth, and you're going to take each moment much more seriously. So by having the people buried right near the door, it was a constant reminder to never become too comfortable with yourself. And the third thing they tell him is, you noticed that we separated ourselves from our wives and our children. What's that all about? So they tell him, You should know, we have designated for them a city nearby. And and when one of us needs something from them, so if one of us forgot where we placed our coat jackets, he should go to them and take care of his needs, and he then returns to us. So we're, we're married, but we take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. We have our budget meetings, whatever is needed. But aside from that, we live, and we have a city for the men and a city for the woman. Why? We did this because we saw, saw the stress, loss, great exertion and bother that would come to us as a result of being close to them. The Hamanuchom, he calls them and the relief from all of this due to us being distanced from them. Enabling us to be free to choose to engage in matters of the world to come and to detest the matters of this world. Okay, well, so... Why did the men and women live in different places? <clears throat> because they realize that they'll be able to focus better on what they need to get done if they're separated. So now this man came to teach them. However, the person, the teacher, was impressed. He, they, the ideas they shared with him found favor in his eyes. And he blessed them. And he praised them for their practices. 
Okay, so let's talk about this for a minute. First of all, just the basic question is, why did we just learn this story? Aside from it being a fascinating story, we learned the story again to reinforce this point that someone that is unfortunately alone, they should meditate on the fact that if they're in the situation, one plus they have is that they have more time to serve Hashem. And this idea of having more time to serve Hashem is so important that the prophets would do it, the ascetics would do it, as well as it was an entire city where the men and women lived in different places. You know, this is one of the things that the Rebbe, not, not only the Rebbe, Halacha shares, or we know boys and girls should ideally learn in different schools. You have a, a school for boys and a school for girls. And I haven't studied the data intensely, but my understanding is that the data tells us that children do better in school when they are in separate schools. They are able to focus better and learn more and worry more about their self-growth when boys and girls are separated. Um, it's just an anecdote. So putting it all together, here we've learned that someone, no one should ever be alone. There should never be somebody that is lonely, doesn't have family, doesn't have friends, couldn't find, can't find a spouse. We, sh we should not accept that reality. But someone that is at the moment is living that reality, we've, we've shared some thoughts they could think. Again, this is not for someone to tell off another person and say, oh, don't be sad. You have all these benefits. You're so lucky. You don't even have to change diapers. No, that's not hospice show. That's not what we're saying. We're not telling someone what to tell another. We're just telling someone what they could tell themselves. But... For another person, so if someone doesn't have a, a spouse, someone doesn't have children, if they, another person, not only should they not tell them off, the other person should just cry for them. Again, this is what we could tell ourselves, but it's, for somebody else, we cannot accept their reality. We should not tell them to accept their reality. We should be there for them. I, uh, I imagine there's some thoughts and questions and I'd love to hear them. Well, <laughs> I like the first two ideas in the story. Uh, you know, the, the, the idea of, uh, of a, <clears throat> you know, not, not having the distinctions between the poor and the rich and the idea of, of you know, the, the realizing that, uh, that uh, you know, we're all going to come to our life is going to come to an end, and we should conduct ourselves, you know, so with a view toward to the world to come. But the last part of it, when they separate from their families, um, I I suspect they didn't ask the wives what they thought of that idea. 
first of all, fair observation. I, I can't comment about that. But what I could comment is what the commentators point out. It doesn't say that the ascetic copied them. It doesn't say he, he told them, I'm going to take this home and do it. In other, words, in other words, it is not something for your average person. That's why I said, don't practice this at home. I'm not telling everybody that they should now go and be living in separate homes. This story was just brought out to, give an, to share, as we call it, a Maise Shahaya, a story that actually happened. Um, and in that town, it was obviously the right thing. Because as we see, it says that uh, he blessed them and praised them for their practices. For them, it was correct. But for us, it is not correct. So I appreciate you pointing that out. This is not something we are saying you should start practicing um, in, in your own life. Um, any other comments or 